Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler. I lead Faith Christian Center here in Austell, Georgia. Pay attention to this message. I believe God is gonna say something to you that is gonna bless your life, change your life, and empower you and equip you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Listen up, and we'll talk to you at the end of today's broadcast. Open your Bible to me Genesis chapter eight. Genesis chapter eight. We'll look at verse 22. We're gonna do some review real quick. But someone's back's being healed right now. You've been having some, a lot of pain in your lower back. If that's you, stand up real quick. Some type of pain in your lower back. So go ahead and move it. How's that feel? How's that feel, man? It feels better. What about you? Better. Good. Someone's pain is a little higher in their back. If that's you, it's kind of midway right on your spine. If that's you, stand up. Somewhere mid in your back. That's you. All right. Go ahead, as much as you can, try to touch your toes. Watch what Jesus already did in your back. How's that feel? Yeah. He's a healing Jesus. He did it in Bible days. He'll do it today, and he'll do it forever. That's just who he is. So Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Thank you, Lord, for the word of knowledge and the gifts of healing. Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. It says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Is the earth still here? Cool. Not your question. Does cold and heat still exist? Does summertime still exist? Feels like we ran into it early here in Atlanta. I was out running yesterday. I was like, oh, man, 80 what? Got in my car. I said, 90 what? I'm like, what? Whoa, it was kind of early. Summertime still exists. Winter still exists, right? Last month, I saw reports about, you know, our family live in Michigan, and it said snow. I'm like, oh, I've been delivered. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Winter still exists. So that means seed, time, and harvest still exist. Now, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 in the New Living Translation says, For everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born, and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to harvest. Go with me to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. We're going to look at verse 9. And if you're newer here to faith, I put all my notes on the YouVersion Bible app. So you can go to the YouVersion Bible app, open up more, and events you'll see Faith Christian Center Harvest Checker Part 3. But also if you have our faith app, it's the third link on the first page, and that's where all my notes will always be. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. It says, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if, 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 two small letters with big implications, if we faint not. We'll get back to that. We know 2019 is a year of abundant harvest, amen? We define some terms in the series because since part three, abundant means plentiful in great quantity, fully sufficient, abounding, and overflowing. We said harvest means the season of reaping and gathering, the product of labor, fruit or fruits, effects, consequences, and the proper season for business. We said this is a harvesting year, but as we go through this fifth month and enter the sixth month, how is your harvesting going? It's good to relieve the word of the Lord for the year, but is it coming to pass in your life? Now, you know, most Sundays we read testimonies of the abundant harvest people are reaping, and these are some wild, amazing testimonies of the goodness of God. 
There are testimonies for individuals, for marriages, for families, for businesses. God has been doing some amazing things. I remember I was sharing some of those testimonies on uh, Resurrection Sunday, and I just, you had a lot of first-time guests at 1130, and as I share the stories, people's faces were like, what? They look at their spouse with them like, did you hear what he just said? But that's exactly what the Lord told us what happened last year. He said it'll be a year where we go, wow. A year where we go, whoa. A year where it goes like, man, I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't even expect that. And that's what we're running into. But I don't want this just to be a few of us or even a majority of us. I want this to be all of us. And I don't want this to be all of us on a small level where I got a little bit of harvest. No, I want everybody to get abundant harvest. That's why we're doing this harvest checkup series and why we're doing the devotional, to make sure you're reaping the abundant harvest that your Heavenly Father wants you to reap. And so he said, throughout the Word of God, there is a comparison to sowing seed and giving financially. Knowing this, we should keep in mind the natural process of seed time and harvest when we think of the biblical and prophetic promise of financial harvest. You know, some, you know sow seed today doesn't mean the harvest shows up tomorrow. There is a process of time. And as we saw in the series, we'll continue to see, not all seeds are financial. And not all harvests are financial. So not all seeds are financial. And not all harvests are financial. Although not every harvest is a financial harvest, there is still a great, abundant, bumper, overflowing financial harvest that God wants us to reap. In order to get a better grasp on harvesting, we have to understand sowing and gathering. And so we started giving different ways of things you need to know and do to check up on your harvesting. So number one, your tithe is not a seed. We'll do some quick review before we get into some new material today. Number one, your tithe is not a seed. There is no return on your tithe. As I said before, your tithe is the connection point to the blessing. You can't tithe, so I call for a hundredfold off my tithe. There is no return off of the tithe. The purpose of the tithe is the connection point to the blessing. It protects and defends your seed. What if you give above your tithe is a seed? Number two, gather the fragments. We looked at the story when Jesus multiplied the fish and the bread, and he told the disciples, gather the fragments that remain. Most of us, if we were there, wouldn't even think there were fragments left. We'd just been amazed that Jesus took a Lunchable and multiplied it. But we would have missed a harvest because the harvest was in the fragments. They gathered the fragments that remained, and there were 12 baskets left over. And so we said, when you gather the fragments of life, pay attention to the small details. Things that we miss sometimes are harvest. There is harvest in the details. So we said, number two, gather your fragments. Number three, follow the direction of the Lord. The Lord will tell you what to do. Remember when Jesus taught on the boat and Peter allowed Jesus to use his boat? That was a seed. And Jesus looked at him and gave him his harvest. Cast your net over the side. Cast your nets over the side and pull in an abundance of fish. Peter half obeyed and still got an abundant harvest. But what was it? It was at the direction of the Lord. Number four, hustle. Work hard under the blessing. Work hard under the blessing. Harvesting is not for the lazy. You can't be lazy and expect to get an abundant harvest. The book of Proverbs says the one who sleeps in harvest is a son that causes shame. Harvest time is work time. You know, if you met any type of farmer, none of them would say harvest time is the time where they sit back and relax. Harvest time where they're kicking into high gear so they can get what's available to them. The harvest is not for the lazy. It's for those who work hard. I'm not saying you work under the curse and toil and sweat and trying to produce something. You're working hard under the blessing of God. Number five, have an excellent spirit. Have an excellent spirit. You're not the person that cuts corners 
ain't just doing enough to get by. You're always striving to be the best. You're always striving to do your best. You're always striving to get better. You have an excellent spirit because you know who you represent. You know, when they see you on the job, they shouldn't say, oh, yep, you know, those faith people, you know, they just do what they can to get by. No, you want that person to be with you because they have an excellent spirit. Number six, call in your harvest. So that means you keep your mouth right concerning your harvest. Number seven, praise in your harvest. So every day thank God for the harvest that is coming your way. Number eight, understand that there are different return rates for the different types of giving and sowing. Understand there are different return rates for the different types of giving and sowing. Not every type of seed produces the same amount of harvest. Number nine, don't mix up your giving. Since not every seed produces the same amount of harvest, we have to understand that what we sow, we sow on purpose, and it produces different harvest on purpose. People mix up the giving when they say, well, the, I'm just take all the different things I'm supposed to be giving and just call up my tithe and just give it to this other organization. Now, that's nice that you gave something, but your harvest won't be what it's supposed to be because you mixed up your giving. We know your tithe is your 10% off your gross. Anything above that is a seed. There is seed that you're supposed to sow at your local church. There's also seed for other ministries you're supposed to sow. There are other ministries that God will put on your heart. They may not be in the area. They may be far around the world, but on your heart, it's like, I want to be a blessing. That's a seed, and you should sow to it. And there is a different return rate off of that seed. But there's also time you're supposed to take care of the poor. But God counts that as a personal loan to him, and he'll give you back whatever you give to the poor. There are different return rates on your giving. Don't just mix it all together and say, well, I sold something. Be very biblical and very specific about your sowing. Because if you're very biblical and specific about your sowing, you can be very biblical and specific about your harvest. Number 10, give and show mercy to the poor. Give and show mercy to the poor. Jesus, as our ultimate example, was always giving to the poor. That's how you know you can't be the poor. You can't be the poor and you always give to the poor. It says in the Gospel of John, Jesus had a treasurer. His name was Judas. John put Judas on blast. He says, Judas didn't care about the poor. He just wanted to steal from the treasury. Now, you don't need a treasurer if you have three pennies. Because if one is missing, everybody knows. Remember, one of Jesus' crew was a former tax collector. You know he was watching the money. So there had to be enough in there that even Matthew didn't notice that Judas was stealing. And remember on the Last Supper, when Judas fled from the room, the other disciples didn't know what was going on. It says they assumed that he was going to give to the poor. Now, you don't make that thought just, okay, randomly, Jesus may have been moved today to give to the poor. That must have meant that was his habit. He gave to the poor on the regular basis. So give and show mercy to the poor, whether it's an individual or different organizations you want to support that help orphanages, that help people in homelessness. You follow your heart on how you give. God didn't say you have to give to every poor person. God didn't say you have to give to everything you have to the poor. But you are supposed to give to the poor. As much as your heart moves you to do so, you follow that. And as Proverbs says, that God counts it as a personal loan to him, and whatever you give to the poor, he gives back to you. Number 11, pray for God to reveal to you ways that Satan is stealing and attempting to steal from you. Two weeks ago, we looked at John 10 and how it says that Satan is a thief, and that word thief means he's a pickpocket. See, the thing is, people expect Satan to come at them and just try to force them and assault and rob them. But that's not Satan's main strategy of stealing. He wants to steal from you, and you don't know you're being stolen from. Your enemy is a pickpocket. And the thing is, you can't catch an enemy you can't see. You can't stop a pickpocket you can't see. But the thing is, if God shows you, 
the enemy won't be able to steal from you. So he said, number 11, pray for God to reveal to you ways that Satan is stealing and attempting to steal from you. And one way he tries to steal from you is by distracting you. Amen. Number 12, understand the spiritual warfare and harvest connection. There is an enemy he's trying to steal from you. If he distracts you, remember part of the, being a pickpocket, they have a distraction so they can take from you. So if the enemy is distracting you, no, he's also trying to steal from you. That's why you have to focus on what God has told you to focus on. But also, there is a spirit realm. There are angels, and there are all demons. Psalm says that angels hearken to the voice of God's word, and so if you put God's word in your mouth, they'll listen to what you have to say. But also says they do his pleasure. And elsewhere in Psalms, it says that God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So that means angels are agents of prosperity. So angels are involved in prospering you, which would also mean the flip side, there are enemy spirits who don't want you to prosper. Because if you're a person, you're dedicated to being a blessing, you want to give to churches, you want to give to missions, you want to be generous, you want the gospel to go out, he's like, oh, I'm going to prosper and I'm going to help out God's people. Satan does not want you to have money. So he will resist to try to keep it from coming to you. But as we looked at it two weeks ago, as you are a person of prayer, as you're a person of praise, as you keep in faith and keep your faith confessions right, as you stand in this place of prayer, you can release angelic reinforcements just like Daniel did. Enough angelic reinforcements that it overwhelms the resistance of the enemy. Number 13, you must use your authority. You must bind and you must loose. Stop letting Satan do whatever you want in your house. Bind him. Kick him out. Loose goodness, loose prosperity, loose joy, loose peace. Bind up the work of the enemy. Use the authority that God has given you in the name of Jesus. Now some new stuff. Number 14. Do not faint. Do not faint. Paul said, you will reap if you faint not. Now see, the thing is, if you faint, it doesn't mean you are lazy. Because there are some Christians that are straight lazy. They're not going to do anything the Bible says no matter who preaches or teaches it to them. They just ain't going to do it. They didn't faint. They're just lazy. If you faint it, it means you exhorted some energy. You put forth some effort over a period of time. And at some point, you became exhausted and you gave up. You see, the word faint here means to become weak through exhaustion, to grow weary, to become faint-hearted, or to be tired out. And so a person faints and doesn't harvest if they become exhausted and give up before they gather their harvest. Go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Let's look at what Jesus said about fainting. Because if you faint, you won't harvest, which means you could be faithful to sow, water, guard your seed, develop it into a plant, and it's a day before harvest, and you can give up on that day and not get a thing because you gave up and you fainted. So number 14 is do not faint. Look what Jesus said about fainting. Matthew 9, verse 36. In verse 35, you see Jesus went everywhere preaching and teaching and healing. And you get to verse 36. It's part of the results of his ministry. He says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. They were spiritually faint-hearted because they had no shepherd. They were fainting because they did not have a pastor. In addition to your time in the Word, your time in prayer, your time in praise and worship before God, one of the reasons God has given you a pastor is to help you not faint. 
Now, that doesn't mean you call me 24-7. It's like, oh, pastor, I feel like fainting. Know what I'm going to do? That's not what Jesus meant. It meant that you partake of the ministry that your pastor presents. And the main ministry that we present here through the pastoral office is Wednesday and Sunday. Amen? And so if you want to partake of the pastoral ministry, that means you need to be here as much as you can, as often as the church doors are open. If the church doors are open and you can make it, you should be here. But now that we live in a day and time, we have a lot of people who work on Sundays. They can't be here every Sunday. They want to be, but they can't. But one of the things I see, you know, we have some people watching right now, their job allows them to watch while they're at work. So they tune in while they're here. So, well, Pastor, what if my job doesn't allow me to watch at work? Then watch when you get off work. Or at least watch the next day. Just because you're not here doesn't mean you're not accountable for what was said. And the thing is, what we do with through this lovely thing called the Faith Christian Center app, and on our website and on YouTube and on Spotify and our podcast, we put all of our messages out there for free. You don't have to buy it. It's out there for free. It's free so you don't have an excuse. Right? And so the thing is, we're coming into the summer season, and you're going on vacation. Enjoy your vacations. But you don't have to disconnect from faith to enjoy your vacation. You can be on the beach and listen to us. Actually, there was a couple who did that recently. They actually sent the picture. And it's like, we're at, with faith on the beach. So they're listening to the message, enjoying the beautiful scenery God created. But they're still feeding their spirit as they're enjoying their time on the beach. You don't have to disconnect. Don't disconnect so that you can receive what God has provided you through the pastoral ministry so that you don't faint. See, the thing is, it's great to listen to other preachers and teachers, and I do, and I receive from them. But there's something that God tailors to your spirit that comes through your pastor that's specific to what you exactly need. And so if you're going to receive it, that means you need to stay connected on a regular basis. That's one of the reasons that we're trying to get the word out there as many ways as can to make it easy for you to lay hold of that word wherever you are. And so if you're going on vacation, you make plans, well, I'm going to get the word because I'm not going to faint. Now, when I go on vacation that certain day, especially if I'm going to miss a Sunday, I have it planned out as to how much word I'm going to listen to. I usually pick a Brother Copeland message and a Bishop Butler message because between the two of them, it's about three and a half hours of preaching. And that's my Sunday. And sometimes my road trip, like I did one road trip one time, I listened to eight hours of Stephen Furtick. Eight hours. Man, I was having a great time. So what am I doing? I'm pouring into my spirit. I'm not going to faint. You have to have that same mentality. You're going on a vacation, we'll take the word with you. You know, a lot of people can't make it on Wednesday because of traffic. I understand. 285, 75, 85, 20, you know. Bless the Lord. We live in Atlanta. There's traffic. There are some people who would be here, but if they left work by the time they got here, we've already closed the building. But what do you do? You watch online. You watch through the app. You say you can't watch it Wednesday night, you watch it the next day. We put this out there so you don't faint, so you can grow in your faith, so you can reap the harvest God has for you. Number 15, ask God for God ideas, concepts, and insights. Ask God for God ideas, concepts, and insights. So what are you talking about, Pastor? You know, I'm a graduate of Oral Roberts University, and in my freshman year, we had to read a book by Oral Roberts that was concerning seed time and harvest. And in his book, he was talking about God desires to prosper people through ideas, concepts, and insights. He went on to share, it's like, you know, if you need a house, God's not going to drop a house out of heaven. So you understand, this is not the Wizard of Oz. You may be praying for a house. You walk outside, it's not going to be outside in the parking lot. 
God desires to prosper you through ideas and concepts and insights, ideas that you're going to have to work out. You know, it would be great if God just rained Benjamins from heaven, but that's not how it works. <laughs> ideas, concepts, and insights. If you listen to how I pray over the offering, I always say we receive God ideas, concepts, and insights. You have to be open to receive God ideas. I had a professor at ORU who was a successful businessman. He taught my entrepreneur class and then served as provost before he went back into his business field. And he says, you know what? I get my best business ideas while I worship. He says, so I take a business notebook with me when I go to worship because I know God's going to tell me something to give me a great idea. I remember when I was in Argentina, we went to do a business mission trip. So we went to go and teach business principles. We taught marketing. We taught SWOT analysis. We taught accounting. We taught all these different things. And at night, we had just different experiences and services. And I remember in one of our day sessions, a man attended. He was the third largest landowner in the nation. It's like, what can we teach you? We're a college student, and he owned you're the third largest landowner in the nation. But he just sat there and listened. He made himself available to hear what the Holy Ghost had to say. And so as he sat there, he started writing something down, and he came to us afterwards and says, while you were talking, God gave me an idea. Y'all just saved me six figures. God ideas. Ask God for God ideas, concepts, and insights. Go to Genesis chapter 30 with me. We'll look at chapter 30 verse, and chapter 31. When you get to chapter 30, verse 27, you'll see Jacob's telling Laban, his uncle says, hey, I want to leave because it's time for me to build my own house. And Laban tells him, says, hey, when you got here, I just had a little bit. I know God has blessed me because of you. I know God has blessed me because you're in my house. So name your salary so that you can stay with me. That's a good position to be in. Say, no, don't leave. What do you want? And we'll see that God gave Jacob a God idea later, but he said, here's what I want to be paid. That any of the goats and the sheep and the cattle that produce with spots or speckled or striped, I want that to be my payment. I want that to be my hire. And whatever else, it's yours. And Laban agrees. He says, fine, that sounds like a good deal to me because, of course, how many, you know, what is the percentage of that actually happening? And so Laban agrees, and Jacob is a man of integrity. He says, so you won't, so you won't know that I didn't steal. I'm going to produce, separate our herds three days' journey. So there's no way they can cross in between. And so you can know you can look at my herd, and if there's something that doesn't have spot or speckles or stripes, you know I stole it from you. Laban thinks this is a great idea. And so when it's coming time for the herds to conceive and multiply, Jacob did something very interesting that no one had done before. He took these reeds, and he'd be able, he began to poke holes in it, make different designs in it, spots and speckled and stripes. And he put it at the watering hole. So when the animals came to drink water, they would see that image. And then all of a sudden, the animals started producing spotted, speckled, and striped. And Jacob was smart. He only put those reeds out when it was the strong animals coming to drink. If the weak animals, he removed those things. And so the weak animals became Laban's. And the strong became Jacob's. Laban didn't like what was going on, so he changed Jacob's salary 10 different times. All right, cool. You can't have the spot anymore, only the speckled. Then everything was speckled. Oh, no, you can't have the speckled, only the spot, and then everything was spotted. Okay, you can't have the spot, only the ring straight. Everything was ring straight. What was the result of what happened? Look at chapter 31, verse 1. And Jacob heard the word of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. 
And of that which our fathers has he gotten all this glory. It's the first time glory is mentioned in the Bible, and it's referring to Laban's wealth. Now, where did Jacob get this idea? You keep reading chapter 31. Jacob said, I had a dream, and the angel of God spoke to me. And he talked about how God was not going to let Laban hurt me, and that all the spotted and the speckled and striped are yours. God's going to give it to you. He got this idea from God. And this God idea produced a wealth transfer. Because God said, I've seen what Laban has done to you, and I'm going to take care of you. So we must ask God for God ideas, concepts, and insights. God ideas will often include an innovative approach to doing business that you and others have not seen before. God ideas will often include an innovative approach to doing business that you and others have not seen before. An innovation is a new method, idea, or product. If a person innovates something, they make changes in something established, especially by introducing new methods, ideas, or products. God can give you ideas, concepts, and insights that can bring innovation to every area of your life and business. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Isaiah 48, 17 says, Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, which teaches you to profit, which leads you by the way that you should go. So number 16 is implement the God idea God's way. Implement the God idea God's way. Because, you know, sometimes when we get a God idea, we just get really excited. Oh, man, I heard from God. God talked to me. He gave me this great idea. I'm so excited. And you just run off and do it your way because you're so excited. But you do it your way, and then the God idea doesn't produce like it should. It produces a little bit, then you get frustrated. Well, I thought I heard from God. I thought I had a God idea. Maybe this faith stuff doesn't work after all. No, faith stuff still works. It's that you implemented God's idea your way. You didn't stay long enough before him to get the way it's supposed to be done. You got the idea, but now you need the implementation. You need the concept and the insight. Proverbs says, if you acknowledge him, he shall direct your paths. Isaiah said he'll show you the way that you should go. So you stay with him long enough, he'll show you how you're supposed to implement the God idea. Implement the God idea the way God intends, and then you'll have maximum production from that God idea. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. Look at verse 1. And Elijah the Tishbite, the man of God, the prophet of God, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And it shall be that you shall drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Now, judgment is falling on Israel, but God said, I'm going to take care of my men. So here's what you do. You go by the brook. That's going to be your water source. But every day, I'm going to have these dirty birds drop off breakfast and dinner. You're going to have Uber Eats every single day, and it's going to be great. Now, that is a God idea because no one could have figured out, if I go by this brook, these birds are going to drop off my breakfast and dinner every single day. You wouldn't have even imagined that. 
And some commentaries say that these birds went to Ahab's table and would pick up his breakfast and dinner and drop it off at the man of God's location. And so this was a God idea. This is wonderful. This is amazing. But remember, it's not raining. There's no dew. So eventually the brook dries up. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain you. Number 17. Don't get stuck at the brook. Don't get stuck at the brook. Many times believers get stuck on one God idea. They faithfully implement that God idea for years. Then eventually it produces less and less. Instead of getting the next God idea, they stay stuck at the brook and never make it to Zarephath. Thing is, it was anointed for its time. But how do we know that God can have more than one idea? That he's creative enough to have multiple ideas. He's not the God of an idea. He gives God ideas, concepts, insights. And so he gave Elijah this idea, you go to the brook. But afterwards, says, now you go to Zarephath. See, in business, there's a term referring to the product life cycle. It shows the stages of products being introduced to the market of your introduction, the growth, the maturity, and the decline. And in the business classes, I tell you, you don't introduce a new product during the decline. You introduce the new product during your growth stage. And so that before the first product begins to decline, you already have another product out that's beginning to make you profit. So the thing is, too many Christians hold on to the God idea as it declines and declines and declines. It served its purpose for its season, but now it's time to grab onto what else God has for you to do. Now, it'll be one thing if God says, you keep holding on it, I'll turn it We like to hold on to it because we're comfortable. One of the things I tell my staff is we're not going to be blockbuster. We will innovate with the times. We will change with the times according to the moving of the Holy Ghost. We will innovate. We will change. Because, you know, in the 90s and the 2000s, Blockbuster was the place to be every Friday night Blockbuster. You got your video games. You got your movies. They had the snacks. It was great. They were everywhere. Now there's one in the nation. And when he studied out their story, that someone brought them the option of streaming. And they said, no, we've already always done it this way. We're fine. You know, that's the last words of any business or church. We've always done it this way. From what I read recently, that even Netflix was wanting to be bought by them, but they refused it. And then Netflix put them out of business. It's great to implement the idea, but you have to be willing to grab onto the next one. Your God is the God of God ideas, concepts, and insights. Don't get stuck at the brook. You got to make it a Zarephath. Because there was another idea. He says, I've commanded the widow woman there to sustain you. Now, in your mind, you must think that this has to be some rich widow woman. Her husband died and left her a lot of money. That just sounds natural, right? That's okay. That makes sense. But sometimes God doesn't make sense. He makes faith. So the prophet gets there, and he sees the woman. He, he knows who she is and says, hey, can you get me a cup of water? Remember, it's a drought. Water is expensive. She turns and gets him a cup to get him a cup of water. And the man of God says, hey, when you go get a cup of water, can you make me a little cake first? I'm hungry. And she turns because it kind of crossed the line for her. I said, look, I don't know where you've been by this brook. I don't know the Uber's been feeding you through the ravens. I don't know what's been going on with you. But here's what's going on outside of faith world. We are starving. I just picked up, up a little twigs so I can make a little cake for me and my son. We're going to eat it. We're going to have a little happy meal, and we're going to die. 
Whew, that's kind of desperate. You know what the man of God says? I hear you. Make me a little cake first. Hit a bit on CNN. <laughs> and he says, make me a little cake first, for thus saith the Lord. The meal and the oil will not run out until God sends rain on the earth. And then it says that he and she and the child and all her house ate many days. So if you're in her house, you ate many days. Not barely. You were full. So now if it, was, it was me and I was the next door neighbor. Hey, we're moving next door. We're having cookouts every single day. Come on, you're invited to the cookout. I've invited myself to the cookout. Why? This God idea kept producing. What initiated the God idea? The obedience of the man of God, the obedience of this woman of God, and the seed that was sown. But the thing is, if Elijah, the man of God, the man of faith, the prophet of God, stayed at the brook, he would have died of starvation. You must be willing to flow with the Holy Ghost. You must be willing to let go of one idea and grab on to the next as God instructs you. Go to Psalm chapter 5, verse 12. Let's begin to bring this to a close. Psalm 5, verse 12. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor will you compass him as with a shield. You know, when I make my faith confession based off this verse, I said, before people encounter me, they encounter the favor of God. Because the favor of God surrounds me as a shield. So number 18, believe for favor and acknowledge it every day. Number 18, believe for favor and acknowledge it every day. Favor is an important harvesting factor. In Genesis 39, 21, after Joseph was thrown wrongfully in prison, it says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. You know, Acts chapter 7, 9, and 10 sums up Joseph's life. It says, and the patriarchs moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with them and delivered him out of all his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom and the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and made him governor over Egypt and all his house. So think about this. Joseph in prison for two years. The opportunity arises, and he interprets the dream. No one else could interpret it, but Joseph can. And they ask, well, what should we do? He says, well, here's what you should do. You know, with the seven abundant years and the seven years of scarcity, the scarcity is going to be so bad, it's going to make you forget the seven good years. So during the seven good years, take 20% and store it up. So when the seven scarcity years, the seven scarce years get here, then you're not going to run out. You have more than enough. And as he's sharing what is the wisdom of God and the plan of God, Pharaoh's just looking at him. All of Pharaoh's court is just looking at him. And Pharaoh goes, who can we find that's smarter than you? Who can we find like you who has the Spirit of God? What is that working on, Pharaoh? Favor. Pharaoh says, you know what? You're in charge of everything. Only in the throne will I be greater than you. Then Pharaoh is smart. I'm putting you over the affairs of my house. Because Pharaoh wanted to prosper at this time too. And he says, put Joseph in the second chariot. Put him in my expensive chariot. And drive around Egypt and tell everyone to bow down before him. Favor of God. Favor and wisdom produce promotion for Joseph. Favor brings promotion and opportunities. See, it's similar with Esther in the book of Esther. 
Chapter 2, she's an orphan. She's being raised by her uncle. And the former queen has been removed from her position, and the king wants a new queen. And so to prepare for this meeting with the king, all the ladies who were chosen have to go to a year spa to prepare. Sounds like, Lord, prepare me once again. <laughs> they went to the spa for a year. And when the king ministered, it says she had favor and grace in his sight. He made her queen in one day. She went from orphan to queen of an empire because of the favor of God. And God had promoted her with a purpose. There was a wicked man named Haman. The enemy was working through him, and Haman had plotted to kill all the Jews. Satan has no new tactics. He tried to do it then. He's trying to do it now. Watch what you say about them because God still has a covenant with them. God has a covenant with you, but God still has a covenant with them as well. And so Mordecai finds out about the plan, comes and tells his niece Esther. And Esther says, well, what can I do? You know, the king hasn't asked to see me in 30 days. And the rule is if you walk into the king's throne room and you haven't been called for, you die. My hands are tied. There's nothing I can do. And Mordecai tells her, you've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. If you don't use the position that God has given you, you don't use the favor God has given you, then you and your father's house will be no more. But God will still cause deliverance to rise up for his people from somewhere else. This is your opportunity. So Esther tells her uncle, say, hey, go get all the Jews and have them pray and fast. Me and my ladies in the castle, we're going to do the same thing for three days and three nights. And so they did, and you get, it says, then Esther put on her royal garments, but that word garments or clothes is italicized, and so that translator added it. It says she put on her royal. So yes, that does include her royal clothes, but that puts on her royalty, who she is. She put on that favor that made her royal in the first place. She put on that grace that made her queen in the first place. And she walked in clothed in the grace and favor of God in addition to her royal garments before the king. The doors open. You know everybody gasps because no one's supposed to open those doors and walk into that throne room like that. And the king gives his approval that and through a series of events and the favor of God, Esther exposes Haman's plan. Haman is hung on the same gallows he built for someone else. And God's people are delivered because of the favor of God. You see, favor can change laws and policies for your benefit. It's like Daniel in Daniel chapter 1. He and his friends were taken from Judah. They were taken. They're not older men. They're about 15 years old. They're sophomores in high school when they're taken from their home. They get to Babylon. And, you know, they're introduced to all the Babylonian ways and the ways they ate and the things they did. It was against what Daniel knew that he was supposed to do from the law. So he and his friends told the person that was in charge, says, hey, give us something else to eat. Give us this to eat. And the thing that says that person, had, Daniel had favor with that person. And that person replied to Daniel, yo, you're trying to get me killed? Because the king's going to see you look famished, and he's going to find out why, and then he's going to kill me. And Daniel says, test it out for 10 days. Give us only this for 10 days, and then you make the judgment. And so after 10 days of Daniel eating the way he was felt led in his spirit, they looked healthier than all the people who eat in the king's food. And so the policy was changed. Now Daniel and his three friends could eat as they desired. The favor of God changed policies and laws for their benefit. See, favor also brings restoration to you. 
When you look at the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verse 36, it says, the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them the, such things as they required or they demanded, and they spoiled the Egyptians. When you read the book of Genesis, God told Abraham in advance, your descendants are going to go into a foreign land. The foreign land's going to mistreat them. They're going to abuse them. But afterwards, I'm going to bring them out with great material substance. I'm going to bring them out with great material wealth because I'm going to give them favor. So we know God sends Moses, and he brings down judgment on the Egyptian empire, brings down judgment on all the Egyptian false gods, brings down judgment on Pharaoh. And after the last plague, they are leaving. Pharaoh says, get them out of here. But before they go, the man of God says, now you go to your neighbors, and you ask for what you want. And it says, God gave the people favor. So they knocked on the doors. You know, these people don't like them. They knocked on the doors, and they say, you know that outfit you bought yesterday? It's nice. It's real nice. I'll take that. You know that vase? It looks really good with me. That silver and gold, that looks really good in my house. And it says they gave them whatever they required, whatever they demanded, to the point they spoiled the Egyptians. How did they do that? The favor of God. They didn't force their way into the house and take it. By the favor of God, they gave it to them. Think about it this way. They had been working unpaid in abusive conditions for 400 years. And in one day, the favor of God paid them for 400 years. It says they spoiled the Egyptians. There was a supernatural wealth transfer from the hands of the wicked to God's people because of the favor of God. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Then Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You know, that's one of the things I say over my daughters every single day. And I said, what are you going to do today? And I said, you're going to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Great is your peace. You are taught of the Lord. You're an arrow of light that destroys darkness. You are a mighty woman of valor and virtue. That's what I tell them every single day. Notice about that, you can increase in favor. So you can have a great level of favor right now, but there's more favor for you to have. You're supposed to increase in favor, not stay at the same level. You know, Acts 2.47, something else favor does. It says, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Favor will help you bring people to Jesus. Favor will help you bring people to Jesus. You know, one of the things, you know, I've been, I say over my life every single day, the favor of God surrounds me as a shield. Before people encounter me, they encounter the favor of God. I have favor with God, man. I have favor with presidents, kings, queens, prime ministers, dictators, law officers, and men of influence. So well, why do you say dictators? I may go to a third world country that doesn't like Americans, but they're going to like me. I have favor. You say, well, how do you say it so fast? I've been saying it for almost two decades. I may not say it every day, so I try to say close to that. I've been saying it because I believe in the favor that's on my life. That I go to certain places and the favor of God's upon me, and so people just want to talk to me. I've been saying for years, the favor of God that's upon my life. I have favor with pastors, churches, and ministries. The favor of God that's upon my life causes people to want to receive the word of God that's upon my lips. So I go to places and have favor with people. I've been saying for almost two decades I have favor with law officers, and then I become the head chaplain in Smyrna for two years. God just opened the door. Favor. They love me. They love y'all. It's the favor of God. Before we even moved to this location, they had heard about our reputation in the community. 
and they say, we're looking forward to working with you. We've heard about what you've been doing. And they said, if we, when we get to the point, if you focus on this area, and we can focus on this area, and we can cover this district. These are government officials believing in the power of the local church because of the favor of God. You have to talk about the favor. You know, I learned this from Marilyn Hickey years ago. She would say, I love Muslims, and Muslims love me. Now, she would go to Muslim countries and preach Jesus, and tens and thousands of Muslims would get saved. She'd go to places that people can't get into. She'd go to places that men are afraid to go to, where this 80-year-old woman just walks in. I love Muslims, and they love me. I remember when I was in Michigan, she went and preached at a church there, but then she said, I want you all to pray for me because the largest mosque in this area has asked me to come and have a healing meeting in their mosque. I'm just going to pray for them in the name of Jesus because Jesus heals Muslims all the time. And people got healed. What was that? The favor of God. Opening doors that don't make sense. And so she says, well, my next goal is I want to go to Iran. And so she sent her paperwork to them, and they replied, no, we know who you are. And she says, I just want to talk to the students at the university and just have a cultural exchange. They said no, but you know, she was like, you know, they'll change their mind. The favor of God. The favor of God can open doors that no man can close. And enable people of other religions want to talk to you so you can tell them about Jesus. That's what the favor of God does. You know, I remember the song by Israel Holton that part of the reprise was, nothing can stop the favor of God. It's unstoppable. See, if you work it right, favor is a force. See, you don't have to manipulate people and beg and do all the ways of the world to get people to do what you want. You got favor. You don't have to do the world's ways to get God's results. You have the favor of God, so talk about the favor. It doesn't mean people have to like you. They can be bigoted. They can hate your gender. They can hate your race. They can hate your age. They can hate your generation. Don't matter. You got favor. Don't talk about all the different reasons why people shouldn't like you. Talk about your favor. You know, years ago, I started saying a phrase like, I am God's favorite. Now, I know we're all God's favorite, but I said it with the intent that God is prone to show favor to me. And I would just walk in favor. Doors would just open for me. And this, it was my con constant confession. And the thing is, I didn't realize it, but it built a confidence in me. And at one point years ago, I stopped saying it on a regular basis, and I started becoming worried and about the smallest things. And I'm like, what changed? Why am I so wor worried? Why am I freaking out about this? I'm like, I stopped saying, I'm God's favorite. Because the thing is, if you have the mentality, I'm God's favorite, what can't you do? You'll walk into the situation, oh, I know it looks hard, but I'm God's favorite. I'm like, what? Little God loves me. Like, he really, I know he loves you, but he really loves me. <laughs> yeah, the situation looks bad, but he loves me. I am his favorite. Oh, it's going to turn for me because he's going to show me favor. Well, you don't know all the people who are against you, but I'm God's favorite. Imagine the confidence in your life. You start walking around, you know what? I'm God's favorite. You start that, I'm God's favorite. I'm God's favorite. You say that enough, you start believing it. And you stop worried about what's in front of you because you know who lives on the inside of you. You know who rests upon you. You know how much he loves you. His favor is just a manifestation of his love in your life. So you have to talk about the favor that's upon your life. Because the favor of God will change things for your benefit. The favor of God 
will cause things to turn around for you. Let's go to our last scripture, Psalm 102, verse 13. Favor will help you bring people to Jesus. Favor will cause the laws and policies to change for your benefit. Favor will bring restoration to you. Favor will stolen, bring it back to your hands. Favor will bring forth promotion and opportunities. As I heard it said before, one day of favor is worth more than a thousand days of labor. See, the favor of God can work for you something you can't work for yourself. Psalm 102, verse 13. You shall rise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her. Yea, the set time is come. See, this is a year of abundant harvest, a year of great grace, a year of great favor. Remember what the man of God said on New Year's? He says, to receive the abundant harvest this year, you must lay hold to the great grace that is offered this year. One of the 19 different definitions for grace in the Bible is favor. So there is great favor available to you this year, but you must lay hold to it. So, well, Pastor, how do I grab hold of an invisible force? You grab hold of it with the words of your mouth. You start saying, I have favor. You start saying the favor of God surrounds me as a shield. Before people encounter me, they encounter my favor. My favor is like a force field around me. So before you even get close to me, you've already crossed my wall of favor. You have to start talking about like that. You say, well, pastor, I haven't done a lot of good things. Why would God favor me? Wait a minute. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? You didn't work to become that. You just believe. In Psalm 512, he blesses the righteous, which is you, with favor as a shield. If you believe on Jesus, anyone believe in Jesus in here? You got favor. You already got it. It's just time to increase in it. It's just time to go up in it. Because the favor is going to be needed to reap the harvest that God has for us. The favor will create opportunities that you couldn't create by yourself. The favor will cause things to change for your benefit that you can even figure out how to change yourself. You have to talk about the favor of God. You have to believe the favor of God. And you have to acknowledge the favor of God. So when the favor of God shows up for you, you have to say, yep, that was the favor of God. Yep, look what God said. That was the favor of God. See, they didn't even know who I am, but they came out and blessed me. That was the favor of God. I was talking to one of our guys here, and there was a situation we're trying to figure out technically with some things. And out of nowhere, they get a call. This, the person who, the factory bought this item from, they said, hey, we have someone in your area, and can we come and train you how to do it for free? They said, other people in the area, we, you know, they canceled on us. How much time do you want? How many hours? We can stay with you and show you everything you need to know. The favor of God. We didn't know who to call to make that happen. The favor of God. Just opening doors and changing things for us. Causing things to work for us. The favor of God. It is a force. You need to exercise your faith by the words of your mouth. Stop talking about who doesn't like you. It doesn't matter. They could be bigoted. They could be racist. They could be evil and filled with demons and still bless you. Their demons could be screaming, don't bless them. They're a child of God. They don't even know why they're blessing you. The demons are confused. They're confused, but they bless you anyways. The favor of God. Talk big about the favor of God. The favor of God goes before you and prospers your way. So before I even get to a place, favor has already touched it for me. So you have an expectation. Things will work out for me because I'm favored. Things are going to work out for me because I'm blessed. Well, Pastor, what if something bad happens? It can't stay bad. I'm not saying this is a life where bad things don't come your way. I'm just saying it can't stay that way. 
Because I'm blessed, because I'm favored, I deny its right to stay in the same state. It has to turn. It has to improve. I'm favored. I'm God's favorite. I'm the blessed. So I'm going to talk like it, and I'm going to walk like it. So it's not, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mm. Who wants to know your God if you're all... Who wants to know your God? Well, I'm going through, but you're always going through. Can't you just get out? You know, some of y'all been in a sunken place before that movie ever came out. He says, oh, yeah, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yes, walk through, not go to resort. Get out and go to the other side. You're blessed. You're favored. God is on your side. God is in you now. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, which means you've been made greater before you ever run into anything you face. You're greater by association alone. You are anointed. You are empowered. You're filled you have creative insight, concepts, and ideas. You are innovative because of the Spirit of God who is within you and the Spirit of God who is upon you. Wherever you go, the power of God is already working for your benefit. It's always causing things to change before you step up in that place. You're favored. You're blessed. You're graced. you got someone's anointing you. Demons get nervous when you walk in the room. See, the only question demons have about you is do they know who they really are? Because if you don't, they're like, okay, I don't care. But if you know, they tremble. So don't be nervous when you walk in a room, people start twitching. <laughs> Demons are just saluting you. <laughs> don't be worried. You're favored. You're blessed. You know the angel's greeting to Mary? You are highly favored. It's God's greeting to you. You are highly favored. That's who you are, not who you're becoming. That's who you are right now. You're increasing in favor. So act like it. Talk like it. Keep that in your mentality. Make ridiculous favor faith confessions all the time. You know, I expect to walk into places. I walk into places where there's political parties on both sides. So well, what party are you part of? I ain't going to tell them. I don't tell you. I ain't going to tell them. But because I favor, they're all going to listen to me. Not because I'm some super smart person. I'm just favored. And so I remember I was in one city meeting. And so I just came in to learn and to get information so we can better prepare our church for different things that happen in cities and prepare ourselves. And so I'm coming to learn, and they go, Pastor Butler, what should we do? And I'm like, yeah, Pastor Butler, what should we do? Oh, that's me. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> the favor of God. It opened doors to lead to bless this area so that we can become who God has called us to be. You got to talk about the favor that's on your life. It'll get you into places that you wonder, how did I even get into here? The favor of God. People are just trying to bless you. They don't even know why they're trying to bless you, but they bless you anyway. It's the favor of God. You go on vacation, let's talk about the favor of God all before your vacation, during the vacation, afterwards. You went to relax. You plan to spend about this amount of money. You spend less, and you got more out of it, the favor of God. They just want to upgrade you. It's like, well, it's, I remember we were coming back from, I think it was Africa one time. And I got back there and on the plane. They said, sir, I hope you don't mind. We upgraded you to a better seat. I don't mind at all. <laughs> what was that? The favor of God. I didn't even ask. They just, that's happened a couple times. You know, with those long flights, it's better with more room. 
I remember one time me and Chris Palmer were traveling with Bishop. We went with him to Brazil. And so we stayed there and, you know, we ministered there. And then Bishop was going to Europe and we're heading back to the States. And they upgraded our seats to first class. And that's much better than a 12-hour trip in coach. Because, <laughs> like, oh, man, I could stretch out. I could cramped. Like, did you work for it? Did you ask someone? Like, no, I just had favor. You get to a place where you expect it. Because it's your daily confession. Your daily thought process. Now stand up because I can talk about favor all day. Because I've been talking about it for two decades. About God's favor on me. And how God would do things for me because I'm his favorite. And I remember learning this from Jerry Savelle and Kate McVeigh. And I said, oh, God can do it for them. He can do it for me. I'm God's favorite child. And stuff will just happen for me to the point that, you know, even as a teenager, my parents are like, of course it happens. Carrick. It's the favor of God. It just turned things for me. Not because God loves me more than he loves you. I just grabbed on to the favor. And if you grab on to the favor, he'll do the same thing for you. We're just a bunch of favorite people. A bunch of God's favorite people. Talk about it and believe it. For this is a time of great favor. And favor is being poured out on you now. So lift your hands and receive him. Father, we thank you for your favor. We thank you for your outpouring of great grace and great favor. Favor that will cause things to change for our good. Favor that will transfer wealth into our hands. Favor that will bring forth harvest and opportunities for us. Favor that brings forth promotion. But favor that grants us a platform to speak to the lost and the backslidden and win them to Jesus. We receive that favor. Unprecedented favor. We receive that in the mighty name of Jesus. Thanks for watching the Faith Broadcast today. We hope you enjoyed the message. We'd love to hear from you. So if you're watching us, you can follow us on social media. Our social media handles on Twitter and Instagram is at WeAreFaithATL. You can also go to our website at FCCJ.com. Follow us on social media. Follow us on our YouTube channel. Contact us online. We'd love to hear from you. Have a wonderful day.